0: from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to reformationboise.com.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening whenever and however you are listening. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Uh, Once again, Russ, Jonathan, and Ryan are all out of town, unable to be in studio. So, this provides us an opportunity for an all-Valley Life episode, once again, of the Gospel for Life. Joining me in Studio A is Pastor Kevin Bailey, who serves as Pastor of Discipleship and Christian Education at Valley Life Community Church, and then Brandon Lockridge, who is one of our elders and vice president of our board. Gentlemen,
2: good morning and welcome. How are you doing today? Doing well. Just surprised that you continue to have me back. Yes. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. If Brandon Brandon comes back, I'm, I'm welcome back,
1: certainly. I, I, <laughs> yeah,
2: indeed. <laughs>
1: absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm glad you guys are here with me. It, it has been a ton of fun, and if nothing else, you get to meet our extraordinary producer, Andrew, mm-hmm. uh, who's a great guy. So, we are going to continue in our series called 10 Things You Should Know About Reformed Theology, which comes from an article posted to Crossway, uh, written in 2019 by Joel Beakey and Paul Smalley. There's like 126 of these articles, and so if you're if you need some reading material, if you you just got some time to spend, I'd uh, man make your way over to Crossway, search the Ten Things You Should Know series, and you could just be there for days. Let us know how it goes. Uh, for us today, let's continue Ten Things You Should Know About Reformed Theology. Quick review: we've we've said Reformed theology celebrates the glory of God. Reformed theology uses logic, but takes its stand on the Bible. Reformed theology helps us understand and apply all of scripture to all of life. Reformed theology is historical and confessional. Number five, reform theology holds to an ancient Catholic orthodoxy. Number six, reform theology exalts Jesus Christ as our only mediator. And here we go. Number seven today, I know you've been waiting. Reformed theology presents a comprehensive worldview. That is to say, we are more than five points so a ton to get
0: into in there but what do you guys think
2: kevin are we more than five points
0: so my understanding of reform <laughs> theology growing up was two points one saved always saved and you have to wear a beard if you're a man
2: <laughs> well that's that's a good one actually
0: yeah, I so like that, that those have changed one. yeah as three bearded <laughs> yeah,
2: men yeah yeah those are all yeah those those are both still good so
0: <laughs> but yes we are we are more than five points uh maybe maybe it's helpful to understand the um the role of the five points yeah uh, go back to the canons of Dort Brandon you you want to talk yeah. about that for a second? Yeah. So when we looked at
2: – when I think of Reformed theology, I think of uh, what's been called the three Cs, which is covenantal, Calvinistic, and confessional, right? And so you talked about this uh, in your covenant theology series, but the importance of understanding that covenant structure, right, that that the historical redemptive story is, is you know, from beginning to end, one – you know solid flow right and so we think of uh salvation in terms of covenant and so uh understanding covenant theology is is going to be you know a big one obviously and then the calvinistic uh view which we talked about the five points right and that really deals with soteriology which is salvation right the study of salvation how do we understand salvation and then confessional which we spent a little bit of uh, time on that in previous episodes talking about the importance of being confessional and how it's helpful for you know instruction and for memorization and as we study the doctrines the great doctrines of the Bible and and so it really is comprehensive it's it's not just and I think a lot of people do of course understand it as just these five points
0: but there's quite a bit more Yeah, the the five points are helpful, certainly, and and we adhere to those, but I think if we are to look at Scripture, I think that we can see that the Scripture is more than five points, Uh, and the five points come out of, you know, the canons of Dort, which were a refutation of of some some false teachings, and so they were just a correction— Right. of of some false teachings and a and a positive statement that affirms doctrine laid out in scripture.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that, so that's a great point in the sense that, you know, uh the a lot of people think probably that the five points came along first, right? I mean, really it was a refutation to Jacob Arminius, right? And so when we look at those the the five points where it is just us kind of clarifying it's or it's the reform tradition clarifying where they stand as opposed to where you know the Arminian position stood yeah I,
1: th- I think we we are about the five points but we are not only about the five points Correct. is one of the, the the great parts about the article that Beaky and Smalley write is and I think that one of the I think the reason that we get so tagged with with this idea uh, is that one of the first things that happens when you become reformed is your eyes are open to the doctrine of salvation. And then you become very concerned with letting other people know how they were saved cage stage, cage stage which is it. what we talk about yeah. right is you're just so excited to understand the sovereignty and grace of God revealed in these five points and just quickly the five points we talk about are total depravity that is that man's emotions mental capacity and physical actions are all tainted by sin that is we are wholly tainted by sin mm. Right, Unconditional divine election. That is, there's no condition within us that God looked down and said, oh, Brandon's so handsome or Kevin's so wise, I've got to have him in my family. Mm -hmm. That it's an unconditional election. uh, That Christ's death is for the elect, that we believe in an a definite atonement. That's the uh, third point. The fourth point, that God's sovereignty in saving us is irresistible grace. And then finally, as we've mentioned, our our perseverance or preservation of that grace all the way into eternal life and glory. We get very excited about those. And for even the what we call the cage stage, there's a period of time when we we might even become more concerned with making Calvinists rather than Christians. Yeah, and yeah. so there, there's this broadening that we want to have happen in the understanding of Reformed theology. Is the five points are essential; they're part of what we believe, but they're not just what we believe. So, right. so let's start. Let's talk about this other idea that that the Reformed theology offers a comprehensive worldview. What do we mean when we say that? That's a, that's a great question.
0: Uh, so I, have been teaching an apologetics class and we've been talking about worldview. Um, and Brandon alluded to it a, a few days ago when he was talking about the, the lens that we see things through. And ultimately, if you are adhering to Reformed theology, you are believing in the authority of scripture. You're believing that scripture is about Christ. You're believing that our faith is, is through Christ alone and and that his grace is the only thing that can save us and if you view life through that it gives you a comprehensive worldview to which you can view everything and understand everything because god in his created order has has laid out for us this this plan of salvation Mm -hmm. and he's 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 given us all that we need in fact we don't need anything else except for him and we know him through his word and we're put here to glorify god and so uh, you know uh, i'm also teaching a, our youth and we're going through you know kind of the five points so that we can understand those but also the five solas because i i think that those two pair so well together in help and helping us to understand what is our purpose here
2: yeah what, so um I've been so at at the Valley Life I've been going through a Belgic confession class and when you look through the Belgic confession it, it follows like any other good systematic theology, especially when you pick up a Reformed systematic theology. We've talked uh, about the six loci of Reformed systematic theology, but that really is a comprehensive worldview because what is it going through? It's not just going through things of salvation or what we call soteriology, which is you know the $100 word, but it's going through theology proper, right? We're doing a study of God. Who is God? What are his attributes, right? We're going through anthropology, the study. Study of man we're talking about who man is in light of who God is right we're talking about soteriology also the you know the study of salvation we're talking about Christology the study of Jesus Christ right we're talking about ecclesiology the study of the church church government church policy or polity rather and, and things like that we're talking about eschatology the study of last things right so it's this full encompassing worldview where we're not just talking about About this thing called salvation, but we're talking about all of it from top to bottom, left to right, the whole thing.
0: Douglas Gruthis is gonna divide it up into three. You have creation, fall, and redemption. Mm -hmm. And and it helps us to make sense of all three of those.
2: Right. Yeah, but but we go through obviously, you know, as the article mentions, you know, the the works of creation. We we have Positions and understanding and stances on the works of creation, providence, government—you know, the origin of mankind, our nature—right? It's it's all encompassing, especially when you look through uh, a lot of these, you know, systematic theologies and confessions and whatnot.
1: Yeah, R.C. Sproul writes a great book, Uh, "What Is Reformed Theology," Mm -hmm. and he he covers the five points within it, but he also opens up the implications of Reformed theology uh, widely to broaden our understanding
2: of it. I highly uh, recommend too, by the way, that was the first book I read when I came into a reformed understanding
0: of the gospel. That was one of the first books I read yeah, as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, so eight, the eighth uh, thing you should know about reformed theology is that it breathes a spirit of practical godliness. So we can get a bad rap as reformed theologians, right? We love the library. Oh, yeah. Not so great with people. Help us understand that reformed theology actually breathes a spirit of practical living and godliness Yes.
2: Yeah. I think that there is a time and a place for armchair theology. You know, getting uh, you know like-minded people together and going through theological things and having those discussions, and that's all fine and good. But if theology is just a bunch of stuff that we know, and this is a lesson that I learned from my mentor uh, long ago, if theology is just a bunch of stuff that we know, then it's useless, right? We should have it should have a practical working out in our everyday life. You know, theologians in past generations have talked about this idea of head, heart, and hands, right? And yes. so the things that we, the knowledge that we gain with our mind, our head, right, should motivate feelings in our heart, emotions in our heart, that things that we feel for God, which should then motivate the work of our hands.
0: I think the Puritans are really good at this and uh, a lot of times they get a bad rap uh, and we use the term Puritanical to refer to somebody that's dodgy and, and doesn't like to have any fun. What, what's the definition of a Puritan? Is it, you know, yeah, somebody somewhere is having fun and this person wants to ruin it, right? So, <laughs> Uh, I think think we look to the Puritans and how they live every aspect of their life, and they're trying to apply Scripture to every aspect of their life. And do they get it wrong sometimes? Yes, they get it wrong sometimes. But I, I think that Reformed theology really calls us to not only learn about Scripture, but to apply it to our lives in every day. I mean, when we talk about glorifying God, right? In everything that we do, we should be thinking about how does this glorify God. As I'm going to work, as I'm as I'm doing my study, as I'm as I'm parenting my children, how am I glorifying God in this endeavor?
2: Yeah, you know, really, it all comes down to the the heart, right? They say that the the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter, right? And you know, I think that that motivation or that that emo- if 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 our head is the things we know in our head is not. Bringing about emotion in our heart, which then causes the work of our hands, then then that's a problem because it's just all stuck up here. And you know, it reminds me of the the Pharisees, right? All this piety, all this you know. We we know all this stuff. We're so smart. We've got it all figured out. But there was no heart, right? And it didn't it didn't translate down into work that was meaningful for the kingdom.
0: Yeah. I, oh, can I go to Deuteronomy six seven, please? So in Deuteronomy six seven, we read, uh, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit. Uh, talk about them when you sit in your house. When you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. It should be on our heart. We should be we should be talking about this constantly. Yeah. Thank you for listening to The Gospel for Life. Uh, If you want to learn more about Reformed
1: Theology, check out reformationboise.com or shoot us an email for some book recommendations, thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com, and we'll catch you tomorrow.